The Right Time with Bomani Jones is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, The Dominique Fosworth Show. Twice a week, Dominique brings you his unique perspective on sports, the personality surrounding it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out The Dominique Fosworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Man, just trying to survive in this crazy-ass city named Miami. Look, man, you was looking around that room. It had me thinking like, yo, you in the hotel with the mirrors on the ceiling? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just looking out the window and there's two guys sitting on the edge of a high rise having breakfast. Mm -hmm. And uh, you look down at the bottom of that same high rise. There's some grass and like a little house next to it. And a dude is cutting his grass with a machete right now. It's a it's not a huge lawn, but it's too big to be chopping. He just chopping the whole <laughs> thing to grass with a machete. And I could tell you about some stuff I saw last night. Just weird. Just a weird ass city, man. You ever seen anybody ride a bicycle on the interstate? Because <laughs> I have in Miami. <laughs> Bro, I went at like 9.30 last night. I wanted some pizza. So it's kind of late. I get there about 10 o'clock and I sit down to order a big ass piece of pizza from Pizza Bar. And there are three black ladies probably in their 60s, not eating no pizza, but having a church meeting. I was having a church meeting in a, in a pizza restaurant at 10 p.m. on the Thursday night. And then a bunch of people came in uh, on roller on roller skates, like 15 people on roller skates just walked in. I was like, oh. Miami. Yeah, no, living in Miami, I was like, oh, the dad always told me, he's like, yeah, I want to know what you think it is because this is different and it is different. <laughs> it is like, it's not New Orleans level different. Yeah. Like, but now nah, they both have that am I in America feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, is this so. actually the country that I'm in? Now, we got a lot to talk about, obviously, uh, lots of NBA stuff, but I'm going to come off the top of this. It's normally the sort of thing that people say at the end. I'm going to do it at the top. And if I get emotional, it's just what it is. Today, as this is being recorded and released, is my mother's 80th birthday. And I want to say happy birthday to her, but I really want to say it in the context of this podcast, right? Because the pandemic hit, and when the pandemic hit, high noon went off the air, so I wasn't on TV anymore. And something I hadn't really thought about, like about being on TV every day at the age that I am and just what my life is, that allows my parents to see me every day. And so they kind of lost that opportunity to watch me. But a television show is it, there's there's but so much warmth on a television show. It's just kind of the yeah. nature of it. Right. So when the pandemic went down, my mama started taking walks around the neighborhood every day and she listens to the right time when it's out there. Because she didn't like my other podcast, The Evening Jones, because there wasn't nobody there to bleep out the cuss words. Right. That was that was that was a little bit much for her. So now she's been listening to this. And what's cool about it, and it's a cool thing, I think that applies really to everybody that's been here. Uh, because we've been doing this as a podcast now for five years. I started doing it as a radio show, I want to call it eight years ago, now that I think about it. Um, but it's a community, it's much more intimate. It is a relationship. 
And it really dawned on me when mama came to the uh, live show that we did at the Gravity Theater that she's like part of our crew now. You know what I mean? Like, like she's part of what we do, this community. And it allows me to have like a relationship with her that is in the context of this. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just about me and her, but it's also about this larger thing. And she gets to see and hear things like she called me yesterday because she was so touched to hear Shannon on. Right. Because she knows how far back I go with Shannon, which is now a legitimate 16 years. And she just like it just warmed her heart like, oh, wow, you and Shannon can still get together and do this because we couldn't have Shannon on for a while um, because he was uh, producing the Cockle Doodle Doo show on the radio, which meant that he ain't had no 10 o'clock in the morning energy to be coming over here messing around with us. So I just want to tell her happy 80th birthday. By the time she hears this, hopefully her gift will have arrived. Tried to get a little something that I know she would absolutely 100% not get herself. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just want to throw that out there. Dominique, I figured out he has met my mama not once but twice. I didn't, I yeah. forgotten that he had met her the first time. I did too, but she is outstanding. <laughs> she was really cool to have at the live show. Having her in the back was really nice. She's I was trying, I was awesome trying to figure woman. out like who she was mixing you up with. I, I could not figure out what her, <laughs> she, I was like, you ain't never been to my none of my other jobs. I can't think of who it would have been. <laughs> she was she was right. I mean, I got an excuse for my memory. I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know if you would call it an excuse, but I have an explanation. <laughs> Perhaps that might be the best way to put it. Uh but NBA draft was last night. Um, I don't know who none of them dudes are. The NBA draft <laughs> has. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't. you know the first, the first three names, and then you yes. knew the twins, and that's yes. about it. I knew like vague things yeah. about other people. Um, I like the Jordan Hawkins dude in that Andrew Reese cousin. Like that's kind of what I got there. Um, yeah. there was oh. If you didn't know who Grady Dick was, you know who Grady Dick is now. Like, I was just wondering, what does Grady Dick's daddy think about this ridiculous red sequin getup that he has on? And what does Grady Dick's daddy think about Grady Dick's voice? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm assuming that Grady Dick did just up and say, you know what, I'm a rock. I'm going to rock this secret red suit. And there weren't any signs that Grady Dick was the type of guy who would rock a <laughs> secret red suit. Like, I, I feel like Grady Dick Daddy, whatever he think about Grady Dick, he has already thought that and known it for quite some time. And he's either on board or not. But Grady was going to make that night about him some way or another. Here's my question, though. When Grady Dick got that red sequin suit, was he thinking to himself, you know, uh, Ruby Slippers from the Wizard of Oz or did some white person say that to him and ask him if that's why he's doing it he was like yeah yeah that, that's it I mean it works he's a white dude from Kansas you gotta go back to the Wizard of Oz on that but either way I don't think I think some people thought that Grady was out there trying to kill him like I could be wrong but I don't think Grady was trying to kill him I think Grady was like you know what I want but Monty Jones to start his show tomorrow after he say happy birthday to his mama. I want them to start their show talking about Grady Dick. Like I've <laughs> I've seen Grady Dick. He like plays into the last name. Like he he's he's the man is a character, which is something that you and I both want more of in our sports. So I don't yes. think that Grady is like you know what I'm gonna kill him in this goofy movie show the pad suit. No. He was like, you know what? They're going to be talking about me tomorrow. Yo, I thought he was also Malibu's most wanted, right? When I first saw that joint. And then I heard him sit on that couch and talk. And I was like, oh, no, that's that's he's. Oh, OK. Like, you sound a little bit more like a Grady 
uh, than I than I expected. Like, who do you white people, David A. Child, Grady in the 21st century? Like, like do they do do they have another Sunday Leon? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. When I heard Grady, I thought about the hospital in Atlanta. And it's probably just because I've been listening to a lot of Killer Mike recently. But yeah. I didn't even think about the, the TV reference. Yeah, let me tell you, uh, I don't know where Grady Dick's daddy works, but that, that young man right there is not a Grady baby. I feel very confident yeah. saying that, that there was a set of circumstances that would stop him. <laughs> For being look, man, we used to see the the ambulance from Grady pulling around. When we was on campus, and we do a moment of silence. We knew that that nothing good was going to happen for you, young man or woman, if they were taking you down to Grady. For those of you who don't know, it depends on what city you're from, right? But Grady is the the public hospital. So, like, shout out to all my folks in Baton Rouge. You know about Earl K. Long. You you know that hospital in your city where it's like. Oh, it, it, it's it's the one where you walk in there with insurance. And they got to call somebody because they don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I, I um, only lived in Atlanta for one football season. And I learned that that was not the hospital that anybody wanted to go to. So I, I, I know about that hospital. And yeah, Grady is from Kansas, that man from Wichita, somewhere out there. Yeah, I'd also like to let Grady Dick know this. Um, and this probably applies even in Wichita. And I don't know if anybody's told him this. But son, you need to wear a T-shirt that says, my name is Grady Dick, and that's why my chain says GD before somebody <laughs> thinks that you are oh, uh, misrep- misrepresenting yourself out oh, here in these streets. God. Man, that man, is a, he might be a disciple. You don't know what that chain stands for? <laughs> Let me tell you something. If he is, I would love to know what his like whole intake process was. I got a homeboy who's got a homeboy who made a terrible mistake in his late teenage years and got himself 10 years, right? It was a quasi-violent crime is what I would call it, a quasi-violent crime. However, he had been in the joint for so long where he was that he had become the highest ranking uh, GD in the pen, and he was left in charge of the intake process. And my boy was like, I have never heard of a job that sounded more like terrible middle management ever <laughs> than being the highest ranking GD in the penitentiary. Man was stuck under piles and piles of paperwork. Oh my God. He said that cats would stay coming in to ask him what it is that they need to get the, like what they need to teach the new recruits. Like they seem to be order in the whole yeah. situation. You know what I'm saying? But he was kind of like, damn, I wish that other dude hadn't got let out. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been in a uh, penitentiary, but like from what I heard, it might be wives tales or whatever, just uh, all played up for us to talk about. But don't you got to join something in order to survive? That's what they say, right? You got to be a yeah. part of something. It's a good it. idea. Or you got to be like, have your Jesus game on lock. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, like you got to be in that. there. <laughs> My daddy had a partner. I forget why he wound up getting sent to the bank, but he was in the Fed. Uh, he was a professor. And he was in there teaching government. You know, he became teacher man. That was his okay. thing. Yeah, like, like you, you do, you gotta be, you gotta give, you either gotta be going rough and tumble or you gotta yeah. give something back. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna be a teacher man because I, I'm gonna figure out what I can teach y'all. I, I don't know. I'm, hey, I'm gonna stay out of there. But if there's a false conviction and I end up in there, I'm gonna have to teach somebody something because I, I can't get with that. I mean, in prison, too. It's not like just being in the life outside yeah. where you, you might run into a gangster every now and then. Like <laughs> Everybody that is in there is yes. comfortable with violence. No, I'm yes. good. Yes, every single person. Even the ones that were wrongfully convicted, may have typically, in most cases, 
They might have been wrong about that one. <laughs> these cats were prepared for the jail. <laughs> they they was close enough. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Like it ain't they've been in a fight before. They done had to do it. Uh, our man, uh, Big Vic, aka Le Slim, aka La Partie. <laughs> he hit him with the with the green double breasted. But man, I saw the interview that he did during the draft with Malika Dup, and I was like, it is his world. We are simply in it, guys. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, he's ready for this. He's been preparing for this for quite some time. He is playing everything exactly right. He knows all the right things to say, and it seems genuine. And I don't know. I'm excited for him, man. I'm rooting for him. That's the thing about the draft is you and I agree that the draft process is unnecessary and unfair. However, when guys get up there and reach their dreams, I still be excited for him. Yeah, I am happy for them. Though I do have to say, I preferred the mid-90s era of just dudes. Not in these, yeah. I got a stylist ridiculous suits, but in these, I ain't never picked a suit out in my life ridiculous suits. And you get a couple tears here and there. Like, I don't need everything to be about your journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just be glad you got this paper. You about to hit these streets and you about to wild out tonight. Like, we we got we don't have to make everything about sports heartwarming. It'll do it for itself. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, my favorite draft moment ever will always be Jalen Rose in that pinstripe fire engine red suit that said, Detroit, Detroit, <laughs> what? That's all that said. That's all he was saying to everybody was Detroit. Something here. Yeah, the um the the interviews got a little bit stale when after everybody is just saying the same thing, like, yeah, I made it, man. Nobody believed in me. It's like, all right, yeah, I get it. You, you're right. You made it. Congratulations. But I, I'm with you. That's why I appreciate my man Grady. He was out there for the show. <laughs> yes. But, like, I got to bring my mama with me after I got drafted. This ain't about them. It's about me. This one dude, he had his mama sitting there. It was the dude from Arkansas. I forgot his name. He was the number six pick in the draft. He had his mama there and his little brother there. And it was so funny to me because both them boys got a lot of hair going on there without, like, yeah. a whole lot of guidance going. Uh, and I was like, if those boys were girls, we would be talking so bad about how that white lady ain't got no idea what to do with these children's hair. One of the yeah. boys had a Dennis Schroeder dye patch in there. And, and I was just like, oh, yeah, no, nah, these were girls. We would totally be using this as a treatise on interracial relationships and cultural barriers that can't always be hopped over. Yeah, he had on the bell bottoms too. The black bell bottoms, man, was was uh was fresh, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm too old to know whether it's cool or not. I saw my man uh Buffkin. He he looked like my man had an RB tape coming out real soon. You yes. remember the dude that was shirtless with the, yes. the white suit on? I was like, all right. Clearly, he has had like to your point, before it was guys who like played basketball their whole life, and it was like, oh, hey, you know what? Thursday, you need to wear a suit. But this, these guys have clearly worn suits before and been prepared for this moment, as they said, their whole lives and were comfortable in it, which is, it's cool for them, but it's less fun for us. Yeah. But the draft overall now, because we don't know who any of these people are anymore, the draft has evolved kind of into the real trade deadline, right? Like this is when the big names might get moved. Like we saw the Brad Beal trade obviously coming in ahead of this and Jordan Poole, Boy, they must hate him up there because they shipped him out of there to bring in what's left of Chris Paul, uh, who I didn't think that Steph Curry actually liked. I had somebody send me a Texas around the league, and I don't know if this is true or not. I want to be clear. But his, his thing was, he was like, Steph Curry's the nicest guy in the world, and he hates Chris Paul. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Chris, he didn't he hit Chris Paul with the, this ain't yeah. 2014 no more this year? Yeah. 
And I mean, Chris Paul hit him with the shimmy a couple times. Like I could, Chris Paul, just be honest with you, Chris Paul seems like a really like kind, mature man away from basketball. He seems like somebody that's easily hateable on the court. Like I could get why people don't mess with Chris Paul, honestly, people who compete against Chris Paul. But like I, I spent when I was at the Players Association, he was the president. I spent time around him. I was like, this guy got it all together. I like this dude. Then I watched him kick somebody in the nuts and was like, all right. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. But hey, I know it didn't go the way people wanted it to with Jordan Poole last year, and there were some issues, but like, I don't, I don't feel like it's at the point of we're getting you out of here to bring in Chris Paul for maybe one year. The only explanation is they must hate that dude's guts or they just had to swaddle him and be like, all right, if we bring in Draymond back, no matter what, we just can't bring him back. Like it's not personal. And that happens. We just can't do it. And so now Jordan Poole going to go to Washington. And I got to say this, he already got his ring. Right, <laughs> he already you got his ring. It, man. You beat me to it. That man he already got be... his buddy. Oh. So there are two things I don't know him personally, but there are two things that I feel confident about. Jordan Poole like to be in the streets, and Jordan Poole like to shoot shots. Ain't nothing stopping you from doing all of that in DC. So- the what the black women in DC Jordan Poole is gonna be in heaven, <laughs> and then he can pull thirty times a game, and won't nobody say nothing to him. Yeah, this I, man got a ring; he got his paper. I think that maybe he orchestrated this trade, not his agent. He made these calls like, "Hey, what they what they talk about it in DC?" Did you see that clip? This is from a few years ago where he was at a Howard game. That man looked oh. like he was in heaven at a Howard basketball game. Oh yeah, no, no, no. He 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 might be winning in ways that we don't quite understand, right? He also whoa, whoa, might whoa, win. Whoa, 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 whoa. We understand. Maybe oh, other okay. people don't understand. <laughs> Look, but we understand. He, he might be a four-time scoring champion by the time he walk out of there. There ain't nobody for him to pass the ball to. They got Beal out of there. They just got Porzingis up out of there. 
Like it, it, it really might be his chance to shine in every way. He just gonna be out here, local legend, local yeah. legend. Like I, for a dude like Jordan Poole, one ring enough. He ain't playing yeah. for a legacy. He playing for uh-huh. Jordan Poole. He is. He got his money. He got his ring. They got some. They they snuck some Qatari money in there while that while that trade talk was we happening. Tell him. What we well, tell him. well played. What we tell him. <laughs> what we tell him. They coming. They coming. They got that money. And they coming, they over here. I mean, they, they willing to buy into the Wizards. Oh, boy. Everybody need to watch out. I wonder how long that deal was done. Because I feel like they had this understood. I mean, the, the Qatari deal was done. Yeah. They had this deal understood. And it was like, man, when are we going to drop this? Oh, we got the Jordan Poole trade? All right, let's put this news out, too. Let's put this news out, too. Let's <laughs> go ahead and put this news out, too. Then we got the draft. Won't nobody talk about us at all. <laughs> Yo, every all the names that came up before the draft, even if the trades didn't get made, right? Lillard's name was out there. Zion's name was out there. And I am now convinced, by the way, that the Pelicans were just putting that out there, hoping to put a charge in him. Because after they it was, you know, they had moved Zion, I saw Woj get on TV and say, Yeah, the Pelicans are trying to find a way to package the number 14 pick and some other assets to move up to number three. But they let us all think. That they was trying, you know, that Zion would be involved in trying to move up to number three. Like, and then I heard Woj talk about he's been at the facility more than he had been before. Of course, he had the facility right now. That's the one place that lady can't run up on him. <laughs> yeah, I, I never understood it. I believed it because it sounded like people who knew basketball uh, believed that it was a real possibility. But, I mean, he's a player that you can, he, he's a guy who can be number one on a championship team talent-wise. You know, nobody gives up on those. They're hard to find, especially when you're in New Orleans. You're not right. about to get no free agents to come there. You got lucky enough to get them. You paid them. And now you just figure out. And and a lot of the issues can be chalked up to maturity. And you're like, all right, he's going to get older. It, it never quite made sense to me unless they was getting in something crazy, unless they was going to get that big Vic pick, which would have been stupid. But right. I don't I don't see why you move on from him. Look, man, you talking about Jordan Poole in D.C., I'm talking about Big Vic all across America. Like, I just saw the way that he was carrying it the whole way, and I was just like, oh, he's going to wreck shop. He's <laughs> going to put up numbers. He's going to be putting up 30, 20, 15 triple doubles. <laughs> yeah, I mean – everything about him i think is well i mean we we talked about it he's been preparing for this so like he seems ready for it he also seems like he's gonna enjoy it which makes me happy mm-hmm. i appreciate it he's gonna say all the right things and probably do some of the wrong things which is what you should do when you're 19 in the nba just a couple nothing too yes. bad just a little just a couple well did you see his french homie Blau? yeah he coming to dc too all right so before we found out he was coming to dc it reminded me of something because you look man I think I've told you guys this story, but I went to graduate school in a town called Claremont, California. It's in Los Angeles County. I moved there on two weeks notice. I did not do a great deal of research. All I knew was that it was not my parents' house. And I thought it was L.A. Because I'm from Houston, and Houston is so Mm -hmm. big and sprawling, and all that stuff basically counts as Houston. And I lived on the fringes, so my address said Houston. So you tell me I'm in the location that I was in, and you telling me I'm in L.A., right? Like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm in L.A. Bruh, I got off the plane in Ontario, and 
I didn't even have to get nowhere near the campus or nothing else. I just got off the plane and walked out the airport and looked in the sky and was like, what have I done? This, <laughs> I assure you, is not. I ain't never been nowhere in my life really at that point, but I knew yeah. enough to know that wasn't Los Angeles, okay? So I bring that up because Bilal, coming over here from France, and he got drafted by the Pacers. And I was thinking, you know, Paris, Indianapolis, I mean, they kind of the same, right? They they both they both they both end in is, and it reminded me of. So I don't think my brother Bobby bringing this up. My brother in his mid twenties um, made a return to the homestead, right? So at this time, my brother's at the house. My sister's living at the house. I am a teenager. My father has taken a job in another city. And so my mom is there, me and my sister not getting along, all this stuff, my brother at the crib figuring it out, right? And so after giving time to figure it out, it turned into you need to be getting out and you need to figure out how you're going to get a job. So my brother got a job offer and the offer was in Memphis. And he was not excited about the prospect of moving to Memphis. But my daddy needs to get this dude out of the house where his wife is living, struggling to keep all this stuff afloat while he is somewhere else. Okay, so now my daddy's got to talk to my brother and get him to feel good about going to Memphis. And so he says to my brother, now, now, you know, I've I've been to Memphis several times and, you know, it really reminds me a lot of Atlanta. My brother's like, oh, okay. And then he got there and it was Memphis. <laughs> and he says that if my daddy to this day still be like, oh no, you know, that part down there by the river, that felt a lot like Memphis. What river in Atlanta are you talking about, dog? Like you not like you just you said what you had to say to get what you needed. Oh, and man. I just imagine somebody in there with Belial trying to explain to him that Indianapolis is kind of like something he know about in France. Whoever was explaining that to him had to feel relief because the trade happened almost immediately. They was like, yeah, see, Indianapolis is real nice because, I mean, you were you right by. They got a military base down there. <laughs> they got so you know what's happening. Fort Benjamin Harrison, you can hang out around there. And then they're like, oh, you going to D.C.? They're like, oh, whew, I'm sorry. I told you all that yeah. foolishness, man. All right. You go to D.C., you're going to be all right. My man had a, had a clean suit, though. He looked like he, he had the CEO look. He, he was not here for the games. I mean, about his business. Man, like after Big Vic got drafted, I was on the phone with somebody. He looked like he had to dap up everybody in the world. And then some dude with purple hair came out and sat next to him. And somebody told me he played for the Spurs. And they say a whole lot about the NBA that we got purple-headed dudes. And I don't know who they are because you play for, <laughs> for these Spurs. I ain't got no idea who played for these Spurs. There's like seven, eight teams in the league right now. That if you play for them, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You tell me anything. Yeah, I've been here. People talk about how the Spurs, uh, actually, Charlie a lot talk about how the Spurs are close. They got some good pieces. Okay. I don't know. Sure. If you say I mean, so, we'll, Charlie, maybe. I mean, I'll, I ain't spent no time watching the Spurs this year. I mean, I'll find out now, right? Like, they got yeah. they got Big Vic. I'll, I'll, I'll come check in if LeSlim is going to be on the squad. I'm like, okay, now I'll learn who all of these dudes are because the only thing I knew about one of their young players is that one they had to get up out of there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to talk about a story that just went away without us really giving it the proper attention? Josh Primo, woo! Mm, yeah, that was that was bad. That was a rough story, and I mean, I guess that's 
what happens when you play in San Antonio is we ain't yeah. paying attention. It's gonna nope. it's gonna be a one headline, and then we're gonna move right on. Move They're along. like, yeah, that's got we're like that's kind of uncomfortable. We really don't yeah. want to talk about the idea that you was acting in an untoward way with your therapist. We we would much rather wow. talk about Big Vic. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, uh, so Big Vic. As you were, as you would say, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, right on cue. Look, they showed a clip of his highlight montage where he did the honest thing. Well, he kind of did the honest thing because I saw Big Vic actually go up to stop an alley oop pass, not have to leave his feet, and then be able to not just kind of get there to block the shot, but to toss the shot in the next week. When Giannis did that in the finals, he barely got there and it looked amazing. Like, how could any human being do that? Big Vic did that, and it looked like he do it all the time. Yeah, it, I've never seen. I, I'm waiting at some point. Obviously, I'm going to try to see him live and in person because normally stuff like this don't be, like, mind-blowing on video. Yes. But seeing a 7'5 man move like he's six feet, six feet tall is mind-blowing on video. I can't imagine what it looks like to, to be close to that and watch him fly around the court like uh, – like a Bo Jackson spider is very weird for him to be so damn bouncy and so long and so quick and so coordinated. Yes. At over seven feet. Yeah. And I got to be real with you. I might have to catch the cellar down there so we can go watch big Vic together. Cause I know the prices to watch that at Madison <laughs> square garden, go have me up there with Bob Euchre and Mark Messier's Jersey. Uh. And all them cats up there, I can't imagine what it's going to cost. Even at the Barclays Center, it might cost too much. But to go see the Wizards, they're going to need a lot more than Big Vic to drive those ticket prices up, baby. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a easy, easy ticket to grab down there. But I don't know. The first time you come through town, it might be a high price. But you're right. I'll get us two tickets next time they come to town. Yeah, well, yeah, we to yeah, we need to we need to figure that out. I I, I have not been to a game in that arena because why? Um, You know, so it'll be a. It'll, it, 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 it'll be a thing to see. It'll be a thing to see. But let me ask you this. We, we got into it real quick about Chris Paul going to the Warriors. Like, does this make them better? I don't see how it makes them better. Um, It's great for Chris if he's trying to make a run in the championship. It's a team that is, like, close enough, closer than any other team that was out there. Um, <clears throat> It happened. I was at the pool yesterday when it happened, and a guy that was at the pool was – pretty excited and was trying to convince me that he thought Chris Paul was going to start. And I was like, he was like, no, they all three going to start him, Clay and, and um, nah, Steph. And nah, like, nah, 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 nah I don't not, see how not, that's not going to happen. Like he going to play him 15 minutes a game in a regular season. And they might use him to buy time for people to rest in the postseason. But the tough thing about him fitting in that offense is what's valuable about him is he's, smart and orchestrates the whole offense and has the ball in his hand, the high pick and roll and all that stuff. That ain't what they do there. Like They move and shoot and catch and like the offense runs through Draymond at times. And of course, when they do break down and do like a more traditional offense, you know who they're giving the ball to? Steph? Well, 
I think he's going to come off the bench, obviously, right? Yeah. Like, if, if people who think that all three of them are going to start, so what do you think? They're going to bring Wiggins off the bench and play Draymond at the five? That's not going to happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is Chris Paul's going to come off the bench. And where I've heard people say that they can see the potential in this is him playing with Moses Moody and him playing with Kaminga and helping to, you know, get them in their places, to which I say that seems like a really good idea. But if Chris Paul is coming off the bench, that means that Chris Paul can't be the dude for the whole team in front of the room that he used to be, right? Which means that all the overbearing Chris Paul stuff, yeah, Moody and Kaminga better get ready, dog. Y'all are getting all of it. Y'all are his pet projects. He is going to browbeat you into improvement. You may turn out to be better, but you're not going to like him until you're like 40 and you can look back on it. You're going to be looking at him like that teacher you had in seventh grade. And you're like, but you know what? I'm a much better writer because of her. I mean, Aiden got that second contract. Aiden need to be thankful yeah. to Chris Paul because he got that second contract. They can't have that money back, no matter the type of player that he is. But Chris Paul got there and that bus talk was gone. They was calling Aiden a bus. And Chris Paul got there. It's like, oh. One of the best centers in basketball. Yep. Let's pay this man all the money. So <laughs> yes. all Chris Paul had to do is send them some clippings, send Moody some clippings of Aiton before Chris Paul showed up. But that's why this trade is so weird because they don't have a Tyson Chandler, DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Aiton type of player that Chris Paul has always been so good at making better. Clint Capella, I think, is another guy mm-hmm. that was on that list. They don't have a guy like that. And so I, I'm with you. I look at his addition there and I'm like, this is an interesting idea, Mr. Dunleavy, but I don't know if I encourage it unless you were just like, I got to get this dude off my team. That's what I think it is. I mean, I've, I made this point a, a long time ago before they paid uh, Jordan Poole, and I guess I need to be careful about how hard I am on Jordan Poole now. I might run into him in the streets, but I, I didn't think he was a, a, a guy that they should have paid or kept. And from a basketball standpoint then you put on top of it that his presence whether it's his fault or not which it seems like it's probably not his fault but his presence added a dynamic to the locker room that was like uncomfortable yeah so yeah i think the move was more about getting him out of town than it was about bringing chris paul in chris paul will fall in line and not be a problem in the way that jordan Poole was yeah like i feel like they had to pay him because I mean, I've been killing Mark Cuban forever for punting after that championship and not mm-hmm. paying the money to keep Tyson Chandler. You, you really can't, you never earn enough goodwill to be able to face your public and be like, yeah, we're just not going to pay this guy who contributed to this championship. Now, That's what the Warriors are going to have to ask themselves about it was, was paying him before you pay Draymond Green the wisest move if you were going to ultimately come around in the end and you were just going to have to pay Draymond Green, which I think they're going to have to do, which by the way, I don't think it's going to be a great idea in the long run. <laughs> yeah. But I they mean, can't you playing, punt. You're playing for now with that roster. <laughs> My issue with, with uh, Jordan Poole was in the playoff games, when they needed him most, they couldn't put him on the floor. Like, even in that championship run, they couldn't put him on the floor. He was too erratic on offense and too bad on defense. But I get you, yeah, you got to bring the, the crew back, and they're going to do it for um Draymond. But I feel like Draymond – you can't win without Draymond. So like, it's a different, it's a different deal than the Jordan pool. So I understand why Draymond was angry and I, I, I wouldn't throw no punches, but like it all, it all makes a little bit of sense not to defend it, but it makes some sense when you think about he looking and he's seeing the same thing I'm seeing. Like we get in these clutch situations and you know, who turns the series me, <laughs> you know, who we got to get off the floor, him. 
and then y'all paid him and he here talking yep. crazy. Yeah, sometimes you got the row. I think Draymond, I mean, Draymond of the Warriors are in a monopsony, monopoly situation. One buyer, <laughs> one seller. Right? Like nobody need that in their locker room. Nah, yeah. like Draymond's one buyer, one seller, man. Draymond, they're like the Warriors are the only people that really have a high value for him. And uh like yeah, I I you know what I'm saying. They they kind of stuck with each other and then they gotta come up with a number. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but now they got to come up with a number. I don't, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to watch them. And I hear that and I watch them shuffling and I watch Phoenix make that trade. And it all takes me back to is the Nuggets and the rest of y'all in the West. Somebody in the East might figure this out. Although Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart was perfect for Boston personality wise and all of that stuff, which means that he's extra perfect for Memphis because it's kind of the same as Boston in terms of the grit stuff, except blackity, black, black, black. Uh, I was reading something he's a little salty that all them guards they got and somebody decided he was the one to trade. And it was like, yo, you were the one good enough that somebody wanted you, but not so good that we can't act like we're going to get another one of these. And so Brad Stevens brought uh, Porzingis in there and somewhere at our back was like, up oh, 500 more season t- ticket packages sold <laughs> right there. I don't think that uh, Marcus Smart's, he, yeah, I mean, him in Memphis will be good, I think, generally, because he seems to have gone through a lot of the things because he wasn't always a, a model citizen. But I think that he's now while he doesn't make all the best um, shooting decisions, he seems like he's at a position where he's been through some of the maturity stuff that it seems like it would help to have. And he's a contributor on the on the floor. So I think that makes sense. And I mean, well, was good right, in right, fast, right fast on that. Basically, he's going to replace Dylan Brooks. And he is what he's Dylan Brooks, except better in every Every single capacity. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. And uh, the Przingis thing is Przingis, like, I feel like he's been undervalued for a while. Like, he was good in D.C. The injuries happened. Then he had this situation in Dallas where that couldn't work out. But, like, I'm not, he's not a, a centerpiece you build around, but he's a good shooter. He's a good rim protector. He big as like it's it's hard to argue that he's not good, that he can't add value to a championship contender. Well, you mentioned the DC part, and that's important because hey, I am not assuming that Chris uh, Christos Porzingis was the guy he was the last time I saw him play, and I assure you that the last time I saw him play was before he went to the Wizards because I don't watch them play. Right. I went I and I looked up some of the numbers and I was like, hey, looks like big fellas figuring it out over there. OK, but a whole lot of us need to be honest. We don't know. We have no idea. If he gets up there and you're expecting him to be like option three or option four. OK, you doing something here if that's what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, he's I think he is an overqualified option four, honestly. And I, yeah, have I think it'd be him. three. Yeah, I have watched him play because I'm here and I go to D.C. games every now and then. I'm not going to pretend like I was like watching him the way that we watch the real contenders. But you like watching like, damn, Chris Stapps It's like, remember when he was a rookie in New York? I feel like he was a surprising thing. It was like, right. damn, he's good. He's better than we all expected. He was back around that level without the the I guess the potential to grow from that. He's like, yeah, this is who he is. This is who he's always going to be, which is fine. It's a really solid play i mean it's better than solid i think he's a really good piece to have and uh, he should complement what they do up there he gives them a an interior presence that uh they i mean defensively that 
they don't have because Robert Williams is never have healthy and certainly offensively in a way that they don't have right now because like their their inside scoring is Robert Williams on putbacks. Fan favorite. <laughs> no. Fan. They ain't got no fan favorites. They Does it work? Playoff minutes too. Does it work if he's not American? Daniel Tice. Like- Daniel yeah. Tice is here to say yes, it does. Okay. Look, yeah. man, beggars can't be choosers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> fan favorite. Now, the problem he's going to have on the fan favorite kick is he's a little too good to be a fan favorite. Ask Gordon Hayward. Like, he was the fan favorite, but they had expectations of him. And when he did not live up to the expectations, what nothing different than it was before. See, what, the, what the, we talk about the Celtics having all these white dudes through time, but they also had a lot of really good white dudes yeah, through time. But thing. if you're going to be a fan favorite, you, you can't play. Either you can't play or you got to absolutely 100% live up to that which is expected of you. Yeah, they they won a lot from him, and I, I mean, I don't know. I I think the fact that his name was Daniel Tice might have helped. Chris Stapp Porzingis, I don't think they got no goodwill for Chris Stapps unless he balling. Bro, Tice was spelled T H E I S. <laughs> yeah, I know Daniel though. <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. Like, yeah, nobody told Porzingis where he came over here. He needed to just be Chris. <laughs> yeah, and Porzingis also, if I remember correctly. Porzingis has been radicalized a long time ago watching mixtapes back yes. in the motherland. So, like, <laughs> he, he not, he not going to give them all the things that they expect, but we'll Chris, see. Chris, going to be disappointed. After D.C., he's going to be disappointed. Like, he was down there in Dallas like, yo, this ain't got no flavor, right? He get to D.C. <laughs> like, a oh, bit more of my speed. He gets to Boston like, I never thought I'd need a coat this heavy again. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that Boston's so cold. This is tough, man. They, they, that's why everybody angry. I, I feel like you might have told me that. Yes. It makes sense. Yes. Cold weather, bad, makes <laughs> yeah. people. Because, again, as people tell you about, these, about Boston, and this is important, and black people, salty as hell up there, too. They, they, yeah. they this close to giving it to you at all times also. That is the difference. It is uh, um, while there is institutional racism there, there's just also institutional anger. Yes, everybody just mad there all the time. It's very and New York isn't like that. People say New York is like that. People nice as shit in New York City. To I mean, every time I ever been in New York City, people are like, <laughs> like they they not they don't got time for your BS, but they'll like talk to you. Boston people don't say hi. They are in a hurry to get out of that weather, and everybody yeah. just mad. Now I think about New York. New York people are just in a hurry. Yeah. Like a general hurry. You can't you can't afford to it's a little easier now post-pandemic, but you can't afford to lose time. Losing any couple of seconds can throw off and delay your whole situation, right? Boston, man, they ain't even in a rush like that, man. They just <laughs> mad. <laughs> I told you what happened with Calvin Johnson, right? Yeah. Yeah, so for the people who ain't heard this story, I'm gonna tell you again. We always get new listeners, right? And a great uh, story is always worth hearing again. So I had gone up to the Sloan conference last year to interview Calvin Johnson about weed because of course the Sloan people would never ask me to come up there to talk about math, even after I called them out in public about this very thing. But anyway. So I'm up there. I do the interview with Calvin. I'm walking out. And one of his partners is like, yo, we'll give you a ride to the train station. The train station was three blocks away, but they didn't. They thought I was going to a different train station and I didn't want to be rude. You know, I went to college with Calvin's sister. Cool. So I get in the car and we, we walk into the car and we walking out. It's a whole bunch of people out there who want autographs. 
but you know, it's basically resale people, right? Like it's people with Detroit Lions helmets in damn Boston, right? They try to play the game. And so apparently when he walked in, he told him maybe later and he didn't realize they'd wait out in the cold for him. And so we came out, they wait. So it's Calvin Johnson, not just one of the nicest guys in the world, but one of the largest human beings I have ever encountered. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're walking and the guys gradually figure out they ain't getting no autographs. And some dude in a Boston Bruins jersey is like, ah, Calvin, you didn't have to tell us. You, you, you could have told us before. Stop. <laughs> I would tell you. I would tell you that I hope you have a safe flight, but I don't. I hope your plane crashes. <laughs> All I could do was laugh. All I could do was bust out laughing. Uh, and it's like he meant it. It wasn't like because like that would be a funny thing to say if you were joking. But he meant it, which makes it even funnier. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He is like, yo. If Al Qaeda get a hold of your plane, I'm gonna be happy. It's whatever. <laughs> Allah Akbar. How about that? Oh, and the worst thing is, he should be rooting against that because he didn't get the autograph. The value of the autograph skyrockets. That like, Fair. if you get the autograph, that's Fair. what you should then be rooting for. Fair. Awful humans. Fair man. It's a lot. Just, just, just a lot going on. Wow, we did a lot with this 45. I felt like. Oh, <laughs> let me ask you one last thing. One okay. last thing. Have you gotten to the point in your journey where you were able to give a heartfelt RIP to them people in that uh, submersible? Um, I'm trying not to talk about it. Okay, because, that's, that's, that, that's enough. Um, that's enough. That's enough. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, I, 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 yeah, any tragedy is a tragedy and that stinks. Also, yeah. I'm, I'm. Yeah. There's just no way that I would have looked in the inside of that thing and been like, yeah, we going out. I just want to say rest in peace to all those and my condolences to the loved ones of those people. Even that boy who went to that Blink-182 concert, even though his stepdaddy was, uh, and look, when I saw that thing crushed like a Coke, like the expectations that it was going to crush like a Coke can, I was like, oh, yeesh. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we talk. You talk about often how people lose faith in institutions, but there's something about like you got some letterhead or or you got a, a big building or something. People just believe that stuff gonna work out, and that is an interesting place to be because that's not how I was raised. At least in my house, like my mom, she'd be checking things out, and it's like I don't know if it's just concern about things going wrong, but it's always like, hey, you don't trust them. You don't trust this. You don't trust yeah. that. Like, you better check it. And that's like, I think you have the same general feeling where it's like, especially something like this, where we're like, you know, it's experimental. You like know the whole deal. And then you you just I guess if the CEO get on with me, maybe, you know, because the CEO of the company got in and that might make me feel like a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. But also. Like somebody said something about how the release had to worry death on it like three or four times. But to be fair, I bet any I went on a submarine yeah. in Barbados once. I bet any submarine has got to have the death in the waiver because I mean there, Bro, there I doesn't just... seem like a lot of steps in between best and worst case scenario. Like best case scenario is an enjoyable subway ride, worst case scenario is death. But I don't feel like there's in between bad things. Like either I mean, you're gonna live or die. Waivers are like that, though. Like, I just signed a waiver a couple of days ago for my kids to go boogie board. It said death on it. 
they was just boogie boarding on this like machine that sprays water and gives you fake waves. So like, I, I get it. And people don't read waivers. Like I, I get it. I, I don't read them all the time either. But so like the waiver wouldn't upset me. The, the slap dash way that that thing was stuck, stuck together would have been like, Oh, and we going down the depths that that normal submarines don't even go down to. And this going to hold up like that, that, personally with a concern me and i know i read that the controller the playstation controller shouldn't be wasn't the worst of it but i know that when i was signing up when i see somebody break out the sticks you break out the sticks nah bro hold up hold on hold on hold, hold, no, this is the thing about the sticks because apparently a lot of things in this world use the sticks like they've just found care. it to be a, a an agile way to handle it I agree with you that if I had seen the sticks, I would have like absolutely had the question. But somehow, if I had seen them do it on a phone or an iPad, it would have been okay. As of though course. that's really that much farther along than the sticks. We're I, I think you're right, but there are certain <laughs> things that just make me uncomfortable. Like that's for games, that's for playing. I see lots of people use the iPad. Like you see iPads in hospitals. When the last time you seen a surgeon with the sticks? I mean, you'd be asleep. <laughs> I don't care. I, I they, watch Grey's they, they Anatomy. Might, they might they every now and then be like, "Yo, can we take a ten minute break right fast? Like, I just need to, I just need to refocus." <laughs> and then my man get in there and start playing that Madden. That's fine, but he is not using not the sticks operate with to the operate. Sticks. Yeah, that's different. Like, I don't care if you play the game. I, I'm nice at FIFA. I'll play the game too. But they are not taking a PlayStation controller and plugging it into their orthoscopic surgery machine and getting after it. That's all. And if they are, they'll never tell us now. <laughs> like, he can have all the benefits in the world. They can do the most impressive demo that there's ever been. But now we're like, ah, nah, nah, nah. We're not, we not trying to see that. I also want to yeah. say shout out to Dominique Fosberg flexing that wristband right there. I see you. Ain't nothing to flex. It's just overpriced. <laughs> and I don't plan the vacations. It is really frustrating. Yeah. Your, let me tell you, you did Miami twice in three weeks. That's too much. I was like doing Vegas twice in three weeks. Yeah, we're going to Vegas soon too for that for that Ursher. But oh, when's I, that? Uh my wife's birthday. Um first week in July. Yeah. So we're gonna you know who gonna else go gonna be in that. Vegas. You know who else gonna be in Vegas the first week of July? Big Vic. Oh, yeah, I should go ahead and, and slide down there. Yeah, all right. My decision is made. I think <laughs> uh, her cousins might be coming out there, too, so it won't be so right. bad when I dip off to go to a basketball game. <laughs> and that is Dominique Fosberg. Check him out on Adscape. Check him out on Get Up. Check him out on Debatable. And, of course, check him out on the Dominique Fosberg Show, available wherever you get your podcast. My man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you. And remember, hit the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. Apropos of nothing, the worst your parents ever embarrassed you in front of your friends. 860-516-4119. Dear ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. We do this three times a week. Adi Khan, Parker Owens, the dance, dancing, hell, and everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.